Aloha, you are listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I'm your host, Chad Ford, and it's been a while. Last podcast happened almost four months ago. The country was in a really different place, and in many ways it still is. And I needed a break, a break to go and work on some things that were really important to me. And at the time, the NBA draft and all the uncertainty around it just wasn't one of those things. And it's, it's four months later, and there's still a lot to work on. But I had also made a commitment to the Locked On Podcast Network that I would cover the NBA draft. It's November 18th, around a month away. And I wanted to come back and do a few podcasts before the draft and a couple after to really cover this uh, the way that that I've been used to doing for the last 20 20 or so years with ESPN. And so I'm grateful to be back and grateful that we're going to have some great guests that are going to come on uh, the show over the next couple of weeks. John Hollinger, my longtime co-host, is going to be back with us shortly. Also have some new blood. The Athletics' Tony Jones, someone who I've admired for a really long time on his take on NBA draft prospects, covers the Utah Jazz uh, for The Athletic, really has a great eye for talent. Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu also is going to come and join us in the next couple of weeks as well. And I think you're, again, going to find someone who's really, really talented. And then Locked on Hawks' Brad Rowland is going to be with us as well. And, you know, when you cover the Hawks for as many years as, as he has, you become somewhat of an expert on the NBA draft. And and Brad uh, is right in the thick of it again this year. And so those are just some of the things that we're going to be doing uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks. We're going to have a mock draft. I also want to start at the top of the podcast by giving a shout-out to a mentor of mine, whom we lost last week, B.J. Johnson, longtime NBA scout uh, for the Houston Rockets and uh, someone who meant a lot to me personally and one of the um, people who befriended me when I got into the into the game as a as an ESPN reporter. And I you know, I love the draft, but there was a lot that I had to learn. And so, you know, I asked a lot of questions. I traveled with a lot of scouts um, over the years, trying to understand how they did their craft and, and learning from them and, and hoping that it would help me as an analyst and, and a journalist to build relationships. And in, in my apparent opinion, uh, Daryl Morey, um, you know, told the story about Chris Wallace, um, the, the GM for the Grizzlies, telling him that the greatest scout in the NBA was B.J. Johnson. I... I've got to agree. I, I've talked to a lot of scouts over the years, and there's some, been some really, really good ones and and people that I really respect. And nobody gets it right all of the time. But I don't think there was a scout who was consistently right about just about everyone more than, than B.J. Johnson. And when I would put together my draft rankings every year at ESPN – and it was this consensus of talking to NBA scouts and NBA general managers. If there was a tiebreaker, it always went 
to BJ. And as I got towards the end of my tenure at ESPN, where I really started to weed out scouts that maybe either hadn't been honest with me, which is one reason that they, they might have been wrong, or just consistently they, they, they turned out to be wrong about things. Uh, BJ was in that elite group of, of scouts that, that I listened to carefully and heavily weighed uh, his opinion on on prospects but that that wasn't what was so great about him and i just want to shout out like he and you've if you follow the nba twitter you know that there's lots of people who have talked about him he was incredibly generous Uh, he would know things about you and your life Um, he was patient in teaching you things he was always real uh, always honest like he would always tell you why he didn't like a player, what he didn't like about him. There was no BS. There was no smoke screens. He was never trying to um, trick anybody. And he just had this infectious joy um, for the game. He loved talking about basketball. And he was hilarious, like Charles Barkley hilarious in his ability to have funny quips about player uh, players, to talk about um, their weaknesses and their strengths in ways that were highly entertaining. Uh, this is a true story that twice when I worked there, I tried to lure him to the ESPN because I thought he would be awesome on camera. I thought he would be entertaining in the way that Charles Barkley is entertaining and talking about NBA draft prospects. But he, he just, he loved the scouting game too much. He didn't really ever want to be the person that was in front of the camera. He just loved what he did. And I think it's why a lot of casual fans never got to know um, who he was. And that's a shame because you would be laughing with him. You'd be crying with him. He had this way of making everybody feel like he was his best friend. So I'm I'm humbled because I, I care a lot about BJ, but I, I know that there's many, many people that have been in his life that would say the same thing about him. And I, I thought a lot about him uh, this week as I came back to start um, my podcast and what I've learned from him. And and as much as I think it's it's helped me for sure as an as an NBA draft analyst, it's what I learned from him as a person uh, and how this infectious ability to show love and interest and compassion for people to really love what you do and and to attack it that way um, every day um, is contagious. And um, like a lot of people, I'm going to miss him and uh, want to dedicate uh, you know this show to him uh, what we're going to be doing next is what my conversations would be we just go through the list we talk about guys what's their range how they're going to how they're going to make in the nba what are the concerns and we would have these conversations they would have them at draft camps we'd have them on the phone and uh, i always learned so much and really miss that i i couldn't pick up the phone before this podcast and have this one uh, in preparation um, for uh, this dra- draft bo- broadcast, but uh, this one's this one's for you, BJ. Today, what I want to do is I'm going to fly solo and talk about my big board 2.0. The last big board that I did was in episode 17. It was 1.0. It's a long time between big boards. And so the last week I've been talking to NBA scouts, NBA execs, a few NBA agents, just to get a feel for where NBA teams currently have prospects ranked on their big boards. And again, I, I want to emphasize that uh, 
this is based off of a conglomeration of talking to a number of NBA scouts and executives. These are not necessarily my personal rankings, but where I generally think NBA teams have these players ranked. And I'll also say that you can follow along if you want to at nbabigboard.com. Uh, that's my website that is going to have our latest uh, Big Board 2.0. And you can go to nbabigboard.com and check out uh, my top 30 right now. I, I want to start the show by saying something that we've been saying for months, which is there's still not a lot of clarity among NBA teams right now. We know the Minnesota Timberwolves have the number one pick in the draft. Golden State Warriors are drafting second. The Charlotte Hornets are drafting third. That we know. But all of those teams and the scouts and the sources that I've spoken with on those teams all have a similar message. This is a tough draft to identify a top elite prospect in this draft. There's no Zion Williamson in this draft. I don't think there's no, there really isn't a John Morant in this draft. And so teams are going to have to be creative. You've probably read, and, and I believe in this case it's true, that all of the teams are considering trading this pick if they can get the right offer. The problem is when everybody's trying to trade a pick, it's hard to really get a great offer in return for that. And so this big board is not connected to particular what particular teams are going to do. That's what a mock draft's for. We'll get to a mock draft later. But this is just in general where teams see it. And, and again, the rankings are fluid in that there's no consensus for any of these guys. And so I'll try to talk about a draft range a little bit as well as I walk through each of these players to talk about at least where I saw the highs and the lows based off of what NBA teams uh, were willing to share uh, with me in their analysis. I'm going to start at the top. He was number one on my big board 1.0. He remains number one on my big board 2.0. LaMelo Ball, point guard, point forward from Australia. Polarizing as ever. Teams worry a bit about his defense, his shooting, there's still those weird rumors around because of the whole ball factor and you know what sort of role that is going to play. But then there are elite tangible intangibles in LaMelo Ball that more than any other prospect in this draft warrant him being ranked number one. He has elite size for his position. He is the best passer in this draft and does that at a high, high all-star level, that elite floor vision, the super high basketball IQ, great feel for the game. If you're going to take a pit player number one and they're not going to be one of these elite three, four tool type players that typically go number one, one of the things that a lot of scouts believe is you go for that one skill that they can do it at an elite level instead of picking a player that maybe has, you know, three or four like average or above average skills. And so for LaMelo Ball, it's going to be that court vision, what he brings to the floor on that end, the way he sees and feels the game, the poise that he has there. And you're going to have to hold your nose a bit. If you've watched him, you know that he's streaky shooter. He's not necessarily an explosive athlete. He struggles as an on the ball defender. There's Tons of things that you could pick apart with LaMelo Ball. And there's been 
some disagreement among NBA teams about where he's at as far as maturity, what kind of locker room player that he's going to be. But most of the people that I talk to aren't worried about this. And I, I wonder how real the stuff that I'm hearing with some teams being worried is and how much of it is the the typical we're a month before the draft and we're going to be spitting misinformation out. Number two on uh, our big board, James Wiseman, center out of Memphis, moves up one spot over Anthony Edwards, which is interesting because I I think right now the odds-on favorite to be the number one pick in the draft is Anthony Edwards. But Wiseman had one of these interesting starts this season, ranked really high, obviously doesn't get a play uh, very much for Memphis, only a couple of games. That starts to worry scouts. They didn't see him against great competition. And, and I think that there's been an effect a bit with the NBA Finals with um, two big men, Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo, that have maybe nudged, is the right word, some teams into thinking that a hyper-athletic big man with lots of tools and versatility on both ends of the floor might be valuable again. And again, it's it's trendy right now. Wings seem to be the most valuable position right now for NBA teams in the league, hence LaMelo Ball at number one. But there can also be where you start to underrate a particular position. Uh, there's some teams that are feeling now that maybe that's what's going on with Wiseman right now. He's going to look great uh, in workouts. Of course, teams are really limited in what they can do with those workouts. But I think that he's going to be a guy who maybe is going to be raw, is going to have to improve his toughness, is going to have to improve that motor a bit. But there's so much to like around the raw, intangible tools that are there that I I think that don't be surprised to hear Wiseman's name drafted high. Don't think he would go number one to Minnesota, but I think he is in the mix when you start thinking at number two uh, to the Golden State Warriors and then right uh, down the row. His draft range I have on there is one to eight. It's pretty wide. For a guy who's two, but you know, I would I would say with Lamelo Ball, his draft range is one to five, and so you're talking about players that different teams are valuing them different based off of team needs. Because, and and I will get into this a little bit later in a different podcast when we talk about it, tiers. There isn't like a tier one, and I'm not really sure that there's a tier two prospect in this draft. And so when you get players in tiers you can start to think about how they might fit needs. Uh, three is Anthony Edwards. I don't think Minnesota's decided who they're taking number one. I think they would like to trade the pick. I think that there's a lot of factors that are going into play. But my guess is if they keep the pick based off of their needs and based off the of the analysis that so many people have of Edwards physically, he is the most dominant player in this draft if you're just talking about athleticism, raw athleticism, strength for a position. He's got terrific upside, all the physical tools to be the star. And the question is, you know, that feel for the game, basketball IQ, not really an elite shooter, was really kind of an indifferent or an inconsistent defender throughout the things. that The thing that worries me personally about Edwards is that some of that stuff, just like it's impossible to t- 
take a, an average athlete and make them an elite athlete. You can improve their athleticism, but you're not going to make them an elite athlete. I think the same thing can be said about just general feel uh, for the game. I think that there's things that you can improve and, and players can continue to learn and grow. But the instinctual feel for the game that someone like LaMelo Ball has, you know, for example, is, is sort of the opposite with Anthony Edwards. And I, I think that, that that actually scares uh, teams quite a bit. There are definitely teams that have him number one on their board. Uh, and he's interesting in that I didn't talk to a team that really had him outside of the top three. And so if you were asking me also, what's the guy that's the like least likely to slide in the draft right now? It seems like Anthony Edwards, uh, the shooting guard out of Georgia, is that guy. Number four. And then let me just say, let me just pause for a second to say, I think that there's like a little bit of a break right here. And that this break in the draft means that while it's possible that a James Wiseman might slip or a LaMelo Ball might slip out of the top three. Most teams sort of see those three players as grouped together as the top players in the draft, the three candidates, if you will, for the number one pick in the draft. I have yet to hear a team talk about a fourth player that is a candidate to go number one uh, in this draft. And I think that's, that's, that's telling though individual teams might have a particular player ranked that's a spot or two higher. And in that case, Tyrese Halliburton, a point guard, shooting guard out of Iowa State, a sophomore, can really play both positions, great versatility, great intangibles off the court. Uh, Scouts really love everything that they hear about him. Great feel for the game, creates offense for himself. He is probably the most NBA-ready of the prospects that we're talking about here at the top. And it's just one of these guys that maybe lacks that sexiness factor to get him a spot or two higher in this draft. This is like settling for the guy I think most teams see that has starter potential in the NBA, perhaps like really good starter uh, potential in the NBA, But it's hard for NBA teams to project him at like a superstar level where I think they they can talk themselves into that with LaMelo Ball, with James Wiseman, with Anthony Edwards. Halliburton, is that's, that's a harder conversation that I've heard scouts sort of having for him, which is why he sort of sits next to that next tier. But I, I love his game. I think he's an interesting prospect for any team that would take him. I wouldn't personally shy away from taking him at like number two with the Golden State Warriors. I think that he in many ways might be the prospect in this draft that would add something to that team next year as they try to compete for a championship. Uh, Though you can make the argument that they should just develop a young player that maybe has more upside. Uh, I just really like Halliburton. I think a lot of teams do as well. There's a few that have him ranked lower. And on our projections, he goes uh, draft ranges three to ten. Uh, so there are some teams that definitely have him lower, and you're going to hear this over and over again as a reoccurring theme. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can use for other important things like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? 
RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Killian Hayes, uh, Kevin O'Connor, the ringer, has him ranked number one on his big board. I can't find any teams that have him there, but I love that Kevin did that. I, I like thinking outside the box. I think he makes some really good arguments about why Hayes could be that guy. I don't think that we're going to see him go uh, number one, and I'm not sure that we'll see. I don't think we'll see him go in the top three, but he's fair game pretty much anywhere after that and again much like in Tyrese Halliburton's case a little bit eye of the beholder um, he's got so many strengths going for him and I the big thing that you hear when you talk to scouts about Killian Hayes over and over again is just they love how much he has improved his game how much he's worked on his game how he's shown up and become a much better player over time. And when you look at young players, you want to see them evolving. You want to see them growing. You want to see them adding to their game. And there's just been so much of that for Killian Hayes uh, this year that if you want to talk yourself into Hayes, you talk yourself into now that he faces NBA-level competition, what sort of things and wrinkles is he going to add to his game? How is he going to adapt? And how much better could he be down the road because he's got the size, he excels with a ball in his hands, he's uh, you know a really committed defender, he's got a high he's a high character player. You know, that lack of like elite burst or bounce is is an issue. Uh, he's left-hand dominant, that's an issue. His shooting, it looks great, it doesn't always go in. And you know, he shot around 30 percent um, from the field from three point um, this year, but he was an eighty-seven percent. Uh, free throw shooter I think for he might not even be the first international player off uh, off the board uh, because uh, Denny uh, Avdia is is a possibility to go ahead of him but he's definitely going to be one of the top two international players off the board and right now we have him ranked slightly higher uh, uh, than Denny number six Onyeka Onkongwu and again what you sacrifice some sexiness for 
defensive versatility, emerging offensive game. Another player that NBA scouts feel like is really safe, that he's going to come in and given his energy, given his athleticism, um, his ability to do stuff uh, on the offensive end, though he didn't always show it at USC uh, when he played at USC. He's a guy that nobody that I've talked to in the draft like gets like super excited about him. But at the same time, he's one of these players that you'll hear a lot. He can play and he can play in our league and he's going to be able to do some things, especially on the defensive end, that are, are going to be really interesting. He, like so many of these other players, could go top five or you know he could be drafted 10. I think his range right now, I have him four to 10. Uh, and again, he can be all over the place uh, depending on what it is that you're looking for. Denny Avdia, I want to talk a little bit about him because I had him uh, quite a bit lower um, in Big Board 1.0. And, and I had him lower because he was struggling with his shot. And given what he does as a wing, other than the fact that he's extremely aggressive and confident um, as a scorer, there wasn't anything that you could really hang his hat on besides that to say, okay, he does this well enough to be um, a star. And, and that, that's you know scary um, in many ways. I, you, know, you think he sometimes gets compared to Dario Saric, but Dario Saric was a much more dominant player coming in the NBA than he's been in the NBA. So what's happened? Uh, he really boosted his draft stock with a really strong late season performance for Maccabi Tel Aviv. In his last eight games, he averaged like 16 points a game, 16 rebounds a game, shot a much improved 40% from the hot behind the arc. And he has this one advantage going for him that so many of these other prospects don't have was that he got to play some basketball post-COVID. And that basketball in June and July gave teams a chance to, to focus on him, to be able to see his improvement. He doesn't have to just do the one-on-none um, type of workouts. And and he, he really shined. He, he played really well, better than he had in the first half of the season coming back. He upped his numbers across the board. He ended up averaging 13 and a half points a game and uh, you know six rebounds a game and, and upped his three-point percentage all the way to 39%. However, it, not everybody is in love with him. And they're not in love with him for the same reason that they weren't before. His free throw percentage is, is really ugly. It's 58%. He had a pretty limited game sample size, and so he started shooting the rock a little bit better. That's great, but again, it was a limited sample size, and so he could easily regress back to the mean, and there were several games where he did struggle to shoot the, the ball when he got back. With that said, everybody that I spoke with has, has them in their top 10, and a few teams have them in their top five. A few teams have him ahead of Killian Hayes right now. And I think seven is fair to put him. He could go two or three spots higher than that in the draft. Number eight, Obi Toppin. Big time college player. The one guy who put up just ridiculous numbers uh, this season for Dayton um, as a sophomore has obviously the explosiveness, explosive leaping ability athletically Really interesting, you know, polarizing uh, prospect that a lot of times comes down to how NBA scouts see 
potential in the draft. His age is a concern uh, for some people. He's a sophomore, but he was he's 22 years old. Uh, he's not particularly long. Um, while he's explosive vertically, he's not particularly great laterally. And there's some scouts that say, look, he's a proven commodity. Look how well he played at Dayton this year. You can't discount that. And there's other people that say he was a 22-year-old sophomore playing at Dayton this year and that some of his weaknesses are going to come back to haunt him um, in the NBA. This is this is one of the really interesting ones where there's a few teams that just really don't like him very much. And there's other teams that are like really excited about him. And that's that's generally not the case with 22-year-olds. Usually there's some sort of consensus around them now. But Toppin, uh, being a sophomore, has gets given him a little bit more latitude. Number nine, Patrick Williams, power forward, freshman out of Florida State. A lot of news in the last few weeks that Williams is rising on draft boards and he's moving into the top 10. He's been in our top 10 uh, from the beginning. I I think this is one of the cases where uh, I think the media is catching up a little bit where, where, where Williams is at. And it's understandable why he would have been lower. He averaged nine points a game and four rebounds a game uh, as a freshman at Florida State. Those aren't particularly dominant numbers. Um, when you, people think about him as a potential like you know three and D or uh, four and D type prospect, he shot thirty two percent, you know, from three um, this year. And I think the big question that some teams have about him is who he's going to guard in the NBA. If he can guard threes and fours, he, he's got a long future in the NBA. There's some people that wonder whether that lateral quickness is there. Uh, to be able to um, to make up for that. And then on the offensive end, why shows so much offensive potential. He's turnover prone. He's streaky as a shooter. The, the offensive maturity um, isn't there. He is a little bit more of a outlier where, you know, teams are talking about him and five, six, seven, 10, but also some teams are talking about him at 15, 16. He's a little bit all over the place, but I I think he's higher on draft boards than people have been giving him credit for all year. 10, Isaac Okoro, shooting guard, small forward wing out of Auburn, freshman, has the body, has the physical um, tools, uh, to get things done, has a really high basketball IQ, defensively could be a monster, broken jump shot, not sure how he creates offense in the NBA. He's one of those guys that it's really tough because when you look at him on paper, you really, really want to like Isaac Okoro and, and how he approaches the game. And then you look at that body and you say, okay, this is a man, this is someone who's ready to come in and play in the NBA right now. But then when you look at, at some of the numbers and look at just exactly what he did uh, in the NBA or in, in college basketball as a freshman, it's it's a little bit more discouraging. And again, he's someone that if you told me he went five in this draft, I, I'd say, yeah, there's, there's teams that have him ranked that high. If he went 15, that's also a possibility uh, for Isaac Okoro um, out of Auburn. At 11, Devin Vassell. Shooting guard, small forward wing, Florida State sophomore. He is 
again, you're seeing a trend here with teams wanting wings and he's got elite shooting ability, elite defensive ability. There's some concern that he's been tinkering with his shot. Um, that could be a potential problem down the road. But the versatility, again, is just such a coveted thing in the NBA that these, these players that can play multiple positions, especially on the wing, that can defend multiple positions and can stretch the floor, they're coming at a high value right now and they're rising um, a bit in the draft. Actually, Vassal, we dropped a couple of spots from where he was before, but he still sits in that you know, six to 15 range. It's a big range, I know. Like, what, what are we doing with a 10-point range um, this close to the draft? But it, the, again, I think it's the nature of these prospects. They all have warts. They all have things that, depending on the team and scout, can kind of turn you off and things that you would like. If there's another riser on boards besides Denny, it's probably Tyrese Maxey shooting guard out of Kentucky, a freshman. I have him 12 on my big board. And you can probably guess why. Uh, Tyler Hero, former Kentucky uh, player, Jamal Murray, former Kentucky, uh, Kentucky player, um, Devin Booker, former Kentucky player. What do they all have in common? Their numbers like didn't blow you away at, at Kentucky because of all the talent that was on the floor, because of what they were sort of asked to do. But then they go to the NBA and they're, they pop, they're wow. In every case, they were drafted considerably lower than where they should have been. And that's really caused people to go back and reassess Maxi because at the, at the beginning of the year, Maxi was probably a top 10 prospect. I mean, most teams, I think, would have had him somewhere in that, you know, 8, 9 to, to 12, 13 range. And then, you know, he had a okay season as a freshman at Kentucky. Didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Some just real questions about what he was going to project to be in the NBA. But he's got length. He's strong. He's aggressive. He competes. He's a solid shooter. Um, the form looks pretty good. And, you know, those questions, okay, is he got that elite blow by speed and can he get that separation and, you know, what sort of ball handling um, skills that he has? I mean, there's questions about him, but that supreme confidence uh, that you saw uh, with Tyler Hero, I think some of that's rubbing off on Maxi right now. I was a little bit surprised that he's moved up boards the way that he has because he obviously hasn't played since the last time that we put our big board together but maxi now looks like he's moving into that lottery conversation i have him 10 to 20 but that gives him four spots in the lottery and maybe he steps a, a spot or two higher at number 13 rj hampton again athleticism speed leaping ability hustle a little bit of an unknown played in new zealand uh, this year as far as just how good he would have been if he had been in a college basketball system. The big question for him, again, can he develop a jumper? And one of the real dangers that NBA teams are going to be facing over the next month is they're going to go into these gyms, these agent workouts, these one-on-one workouts, and, and guys like typically shoot the ball like pretty well. I have video of when I was going and watching Ben Simmons before the NBA draft with Rich Paul in Cleveland, shooting threes and he was sinking everything that's 
as you know, it's a lot different uh, in the game. And Hampton's going to pop in so many other ways. That's going to be um, really um, intriguing. At 14, Kira Lewis Jr., point guard out of Alabama, sophomore, but really young sophomore. Speed, shot creation, ability to create for himself and teammates. And and part of part of where Lewis is, is rising is the fact that there just aren't really great point guard options in this draft. And, and there's teams that have needs for point guard. And at some point, if you're going to take him, you know, with Halliburton and Killian Hayes off the board, I think he's your next best point guard prospect and a, a guy that some teams, again, really love. Some teams feel a little indifferent about. I have him in the 10 to 20 range. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar tastes even better than the old ones. There are in 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. That's on top of all of the original flavors that you typically love, the coconut almond, the raspberry, the banana bread, one of my favorites, the mint brownie. Also love that orange bar and the coconut one as well, of course, being in Hawaii. And the great thing about these bars is that they taste like a candy bar, but they're actually healthy. And for for someone like me who exercises a lot and runs a lot and cares a lot about what he puts into his system, I love the fact that it's low calorie, it's low sugar, it's got high protein, it's got high fiber, 19 grams of protein. Uh, in fact, which is which is pretty awesome. And so go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. That's builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. At number 15, Aaron Neesmith really just shot the ball like incredibly well this year. He's a wing out of Vanderbilt, shot 52% um, from three. Sample size is a big question. Can he continue to do that? Um, He doesn't have great athleticism. He doesn't really create his own shot. And so he's really going to have to like shoot Okay, let's not say 52% because the, that that would be incredible. But he's going to have to be an elite shooter in the NBA to warrant where he's at right now. And teams are just unsure how much of that is going to translate from a sophomore season at Vanderbilt over uh, into the NBA. Another guy rising on our board at 16, Jalen Smith. Big man out of Maryland, a sophomore. Really put up great numbers at Maryland this year. 22 points a game, nine rebounds a game, two assists, two steals, two blocks. I, it's, again, a question for him about 
Can he guard guys on the perimeter? Does he have that lateral quickness? And does he have the body strength to defend bigs uh, in the paint? His ability to like stretch the floor and to take players outside and and the soft touch that he has around the basket and and his rebounding and shot blocking and hustle ability all are really high. And he's been slowly just kind of bubbling up um, in this draft, again, because I think bigs that can really shoot the basketball and can protect the rim are just really intriguing. You've probably heard at 17 that Tyrell Terry, uh, the point guard out of Stanford, has put on a bunch of muscle. I mean, this is a common theme that you hear uh, every draft is that their trainer has buffed them up and they're 20 pounds, 30 pounds stronger than they were before. Why this matters for Terry is that his general lack of size and strength were two things that were really hurting him in the draft. Teams really wanted him to return to Stanford for his sophomore season. Terry determined to come out. By all accounts, has worked on his body and and his strength, and you. it's hard to deny the numbers that he put up as a shooter, uh, his free throw uh, ability, and... The, just the fact that, you know, when you think about Terry's range and his ability to get his shot off anywhere, um, you're talking about a, a prospect that's going to be intriguing to NBA teams. I He's all over the place. I didn't really even know where to place him on this board. He's a very strange pro- prospect and that some teams really see the potential there and are willing to, like, stretch in the lottery uh, for him and some teams are really not convinced at all that Terry's going to be much of an NBA player I think I kind of like him Uh, I've got him at 17 I'll say that sort of splits the difference in a certain way but you know that's where I've got him at number 18 I just you kind of knew this was going to happen at some point Jaden McDaniels, small forward out of Washington. He looks the part of a lottery prospect. He's got those arms. He's got the athleticism. He's got all these tools. He didn't have a good season at Washington. I don't think there's really any other way to put it. And it turned off a lot of NBA teams who said, okay, his basketball IQ seemed to be lacking, decision-making, was just making fouls, didn't seem to know what he was doing at times on either side of the court. And then on top of that, he he really lacked strength. And he just kind of went into free fall on many NBA draft boards. But, you know, here he is in the gym. He's working out every day. There aren't a huge amount of upside guys left uh, in this draft. And while he's not like particularly long because he's 6'10 and has a nearly a seven foot wingspan, that's that's great size and length uh, for the position. He's just going to be one of those players that is going to work out well. And there's just a lot of teams that are trying to convince themselves and, okay, who who is left on the board that has the upside? that could really turn into something special if they work on all of their words. And it's Jaden McDaniels is that guy all the way. I mean, he, the, the talent is lottery talent. The, the What we've seen from his actual game, playing the actual game of basketball, 
is is pretty iffy. But I think that you are going to see someone swing for the fences on him, hope that they hit a home run. They could also end up striking out. At 19, Alexis Poksavisky. Uh, you can call him a power forward from Serbia. He's another super skinny, rail thin, but again, much like Jade McDaniels, like the talent is just undeniable. How his body is going to hold up, how he's going to handle the next level of the game, major, major question marks. And I, I don't really see, given his frame, how he's going to necessarily put on you know, a lot of bulk, but the guy can really play the game. And again, I think when you're looking at the sort of late 20s picks right now, here's a guy, maybe we stash him uh, for a year or two, let him play um, overseas and and try to work on, on physically maturing his game. It's again about there's not a lot of superstar potential in this draft and so who are a few guys that, that maybe, if they put it all together, could do something big? And that's why he's ranked as high as he is. And I have him in the 15 to 25 range. At 20, another prospect, a little bit all over the board. Shout out to John Hollinger, um, who probably has him higher than just about anybody else uh, in the NBA. Paul Reed, power forward center out of DePaul, sophomore, elite potential as a defender, Offense is is good. It's not not great. It's not anything particularly special. Uh, but he can defend maybe like four positions on the floor. He's got quickness. He's got motor. Um, he does look for a shot on the offensive end. He's going to have to add strength. But one of these guys that, again, some people see and see tweener and are not sure what he does you know, well enough, and can he play in the post. And for other people, they see versatility. They see a guy who can lock down multiple, def- multiple positions on the floor and isn't going to be a massive liability on the other end. And that's why he goes to 20. Some teams have him in the second round. A few teams have him even higher uh, than 20. But I think that this is probably around when you'll hear um, someone call his name. At 21, his stock has fallen. Point guard out of North Carolina, freshman Cole Anthony. Really thought as as maybe a top five pick uh, before the college season began. Actually put up okay numbers at North Carolina. uh, Wrestled with some injuries. But he's the type of player that seems to be someone that's having a hard time gaining any traction right now. Uh, teams obviously see the scoring ability. He's got range on his shot. He certainly can create his own shot and get to the rim. Does he have the size? Does he have the mindset to be a playmaker? Does he try to do too much? Is he one of these guys like Shabazz Muhammad that maybe peaked in high school because of their physicality and isn't going to be able to take that leap to the next level? He's got more doubters than he's got uh, – people that are really convinced about him right now he's in the 15 to 25 range for Anthony that's probably a disappointment for him in his camp right now and unfortunately where he might really shine and going into workouts and really aggressively trying to handle the other point guard prospects in this draft he can't do that and so he he may be in for a long night another 
polarizing prospect at 22, Precious Achua, the wing uh, freshman from Memphis, a guy who, again, from a defensive versatility standpoint, is is terrific. Any any team can project that Precious is going to be able to come in and guard multiple positions on the floor. There's a real need for that in the NBA. He's got the athleticism, the quickness, the explosive leaping ability. He plays really hard. You know, the difference between him and Paul Reed in in my book is on the offensive end, where I think uh, Precious is is a much bigger work in progress. He doesn't really have any any sort of great shooting mechanics. He thinks he's a pretty good shooter. He's a turnover machine. You know, the basketball IQ just quite isn't there. He's a guy to me that you draft purely for defensive versatility and purposes, but it's going to be a liability on the offensive end. And that's why he's ranked a few uh, positions lower uh, than um, Paul Reed. But there are teams that have him ranked higher and, and a couple of teams that actually kind of have him in the late lottery. And so his range, like so many of these other guys, I'm putting at 15 to 25, but he could even step up a spot or two higher. At 23, Sadiq Bey, a forward out of Villanova, sophomore, 3 and D, defends multiple positions, can stretch the defense. Some teams really like him. Some teams are just sort of eh about, about his game. Um, I think, again, he's a guy who's going to be able to defend multiple positions. He plays hard. He excels as a catch-and-shoot wing. I'm not sure he has the versatility on the offensive end that some of these other 3 and D prospects have, which may be hurting him a little bit. But again, that 15 to 25 range, and there's teams that have Bay ranked ahead of Precious and ahead of Paul Reed and um, ahead of even you know players like Aaron Neesmith. And so it's, it's really hard to get a consensus. I usually feel like this time in the draft, I have a pretty good feel where guys are going to go uh, in, in a tighter range than what I've been giving you today, which is sort of a, like a 10, a 10 spot range. But that's just the reality of this draft. And I think how hard it's been to scout this draft, obviously, with the college basketball season ending prematurely and NBA teams very limited in what they can do as far as postseason workouts. At 24, Devon Dotson, a guard out of Kansas. Elite speed, can blow by people, explosive score, relentless on both ends of the court. He's just really undersized for a guy who's, you know, a two, really, more than he is a point guard. Because he really doesn't show anything special as a playmaker. And also defensively, again, that sort of lack of size raises issue. But as a guy who could be a little microwave coming off the bench, he's intriguing. Jamius Ramsey at 25, shooting guard out of Texas Tech, a freshman, had a moment. When everybody seemed to like get really excited about him. And then that momentum just kind of went away. And, you know, his scoring ability, uh, he shot the ball really well at Texas Tech. Um, elite player in the open court with strength and length. But, again, basketball decision, struggles with basics on both ends of the court. Those weaknesses are 
I don't think his upside is high enough to overcome some of those weaknesses. So why he's not rising, maybe the way that a jaded McDaniels out of Washington is rising, perhaps. At 26, Josh Green. Wing out of Arizona, freshman. Again, getting buzz primarily because of his ability to guard multiple positions. You're hearing this as a theme. You're probably sick of hearing it. We used to talk about length all the time. Now we're talking about versatility, um, ability to defend three positions on the on the court. Green is tough. He works hard on both sides of the ball. He's got a really good basketball IQ and is a good passer. And it's just his scoring ability. He's not a potent scorer. It really is a threat off the bounce. He's a, a you know a solid shooter, but not an elite one, and doesn't really have like the greatest of handles in the world. And so creating his own offense is the question mark. He certainly um, can defend, and that's why he's a potential first round pick. At twenty seven, Malachi Flynn, point guard at San Diego State, junior, another one that John Hollinger called early and said. You know, this point guard is is potentially really special. He doesn't fit the physical profile that NBA teams are typically looking for, but he's competitive. He can score from anywhere on the f- floor. He's tough. He, you, you, he's a joy to watch uh, when you're watching him on tape. Uh, the guy just can play the game. And then, you, you know, you look at some of the stats. He's not great size, doesn't have great length. Not especially quick or explosive. Those are all sort of issues, you know, from Malachi Fly, uh, Mal- Malachi Flynn. But I will say that there's there's a a significant buzz about him being a first round pick, and he could end up in that like twenty to thirty range. At twenty eight, Theo Maladon, another point guard. This one out of France. He's big. He's got a good feel, shooting ability. Lacks elite quickness or explosion. For the point guard in the 25 to 35 range, at 29, I have uh, Syracuse junior Elijah Hughes, two guard who really came on as a versatile scorer this year, defensive ability, questions about his age, uh, who he's going to guard, which we ask about every Syracuse player, um, are things that are keeping him lower in the first round, may push him to the second. And finally, at 30, Desmond Bain, shooting guard of Texas Christian, senior Strong senior year, competes, shoots, defends, lacks ideal size and athleticism uh, for the position. That's my top 30 in Big Board 2.0. Next week, we'll have John Hollinger on to tear it apart and Tony Jones and Jeremy Wu and others to talk about what they're hearing in the draft, what they're seeing, what prospects they do and don't like. We're going to be comparing notes. I'm going to be continuing to talk to teams Uh, over the next month uh, to try to give you the best intel that I can about what teams are thinking, what they're doing, what prospects are rising, which prospects are falling. So follow along on the NBA Big Board podcast, as well as NBABigBoard.com to look at our Big Board 2.0. Next week, John Hollinger is going to come on and tell me everything that I got wrong on this podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.